If you'd like, please, to turn in your Bibles to Psalm, and we'll be back in Revelation, but Psalm chapter 73. We've just read together Revelation 20 and those verses, fearful verses, frightening verses. Verses that it would be good for everyone to pay particular attention to. Many years ago, there was a man called Jonathan Edwards. He preached a sermon called, you probably remember it, can you? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. He took it from Psalm 73. Psalm 73, verse 16, where we read, In verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now, you had to read the rest of the psalm to get that, but let's think of Revelation 20 and the words we read this morning. It's painful to read those words, to preach on those words, but it's true. And then the psalmist went on and said, until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. The end of the unsaved is in the, re- the passage that we read this morning, and this is the passage that Jonathan Edwards preached on in Psalm 73, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. That's what we're looking at over in Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15. This morning we'll finish Revelation 20, finally. After the many topics we've covered there, Satan's restrained, the Saviour's reign, the saints' resurrection and their reward, Satan's release, and now the sinners in in the hands of an angry God or the, the sinners resurrected and rewarded. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for... The word that is given us, we have not been left in the dark. You have given these revelations through men of God, moved by the Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that we would take good heed to these words. And Lord, for those that are our friends and our family and our relatives, that somehow we might be able to share these things with them, to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. Hell is forever. You did not desire and do not desire to send anyone there, but hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for souls of men, but they choose to go there. They disobey the gospel you've given through your son, the Lord Jesus. May we take good heed to the word this morning and uh, move us to tell others too and testify to them of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Maybe in your childhood you did what I did and go and visit your cousins or another family and played hide-and-seek on the farmyards that we went to, and there was usually an acre or two of trees and shrubs and gardens, and we'd play hide-and-seek in the night, of course, <laughs> and it was dark. The last one found was the winner, and there's usually sometimes 15 or so in, of us involved in that because there were some large families there in our rallies. 
And uh, <coughs> that was just a game. But as we look at this, this is not a game. How foolish is the person who thinks they can hide from God? How foolish is the person that thinks they can go through all their life and get away with hiding from God and not have to face him one day? The world is filled with people who live as though they have not sinned, is, who live as though God does not exist and that they'll never have to face him. Remember Adam and Eve tried to do this too, didn't they? When they'd sinned, they hid themselves in the garden. God come and ask, where art thou? And he still asks that question of people today. Where art thou? What are you hiding from? What these sinners hope for to come to pass is that they'll die and that's the finish of it. But it's not true, is it? These verses tell us about a judgment day. They speak about a terrible day that every lost sinner will have to face. The day of judgment. There'll be nowhere to hide on that day. There'll be no excuses. There'll be no, oh, well, I was ignorant. I didn't know. Oh, even our policeman, no, I didn't know the speed limit, sir. Well, too, too bad. <laughs> you should have known. You know, you crossed over that line. I didn't see it. No, you should have known. Ignorance is no excuse. And particularly when it comes to eternity. False professions and not the possession of the Lord. Everyone will face Jesus Christ as Lord and Judge and they'll receive a just sentence for the reward of their works. And today we want to examine the facts concerning the event of the Great White Throne, as it is called in these verses. Great White Throne Judgment. <clears throat> now, at this judgment, let me declare, so you are not become fearful today, no Christian, no born-again believer will be there. Okay? It's not for their judgment. This is not their judgment. The unsaved individual will stand before God at this judgment. So let's notice some facts. You can follow along in the, in the outline in the bulletin. We see, first of all, the sovereign on the throne in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And so we first of all see the picture of the throne there are two adjectives used to describe the throne in this portion of in this verse first of all it's great this speaks of its power it's the greatest court in the universe there is no court greater than this court that's going to be called this day it's a great it's a powerful throne it's not a country court it's not the Albury city court you know whatever we call it down here <laughs> i should know what it's called but the country court of uh, Albury, and uh, where people uh, go and uh, get judged or drawn before the judge and the jury, whoever is there. <clears throat> this is a serious court. This is the court of the universe, the highest authority, the final judgment. And we can um, maybe best understand it by comparing it to the Supreme Court. Now, I don't think any of us here have been to the Supreme Court, but uh, you have. What'd you do? <laughs> I won't ask. There's, there's two courts here in Albury. There's a district court and the Supreme Court here. Here? Oh, there you go. I'm pretty ignorant. I'm glad I'm ignorant of those places. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was up in one of the major cities. <laughs> but the Supreme Court... And if you're drawn before that, and uh, it's a serious matter, isn't it? Mm. 
And some people take some non-serious matters, what I consider non-serious, to the Supreme Court. Um, you hear of them in the news now and then. <clears throat> There's no solicitors at this court of the universe. There's no barristers. There's no legal representation. There's no jury either. There's only the judge that sits on the throne. And so we see a picture of the throne here. <clears throat> this is not what in other scriptures is called the judgment seat of Christ, as in 2 Corinthians 5.10 and Romans 14.10. That is the Bema seat judgment. And you, you've got to look at the Greek. It's, it's important to do that because otherwise you just put them into one. And the Bema seat is for Christians, for their works as Christians. Not for their sin that has been dealt with at the cross when they believed. This is for unsaved people. This is the great white throne. It's a powerful judgment. And it's for unsaved people, as we mentioned earlier. No saved people here. It's called white. Why do you think it's called the white throne? What does white speak of? Purity. Purity of this court. All human courts are tainted with sin. You see, the judge is not omniscient in our local courts, in the Supreme Court. He cannot read the minds and hearts of people. He cannot read the motives. But God can. And it's purity, absolute purity. This court is absolutely perfect. And the judgment rendered here will be perfect and fair and righteous judgment. And the judge who occupies this bench is infallible. He's all the characteristics of God because he is God. And so it's a white throne. And the word great is megos and the word white is lecus, gleaming white. And there's not a single person that will be at this judgment that will say it was unfair because they will recognise that's true. You know, it really worries me when people go to courts in our country and the barristers and solicitors get the people off on a technicality. They're guilty as, but they get off. And they're let out in the community as crooks. And I think that's wrong. It just, the system is broken when that happens. The judge ought to be able to see through that technicality and say, no, you're guilty. And the jury ought to be able to see that too. And maybe the jury is helpful in that. Remember in the Old Testament, in relation to murder, you know, if it was first degree murder, that was it. That person could be killed. But if it was manslaughter, then the person could flee to a city of refuge, which were spaced out in Israel, and they could stay there till the death of the high priest and not be... Uh, if they went out of the city, they were in danger, so they had a city life. Um, <clears throat> this is the court of the universe. There's no judge, no jury. The judge is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. We see not only the picture of the throne, but we see the person on the throne. As we've just been talking of him, the Bible tells us that this throne is occupied by a person. His identity is not said or given to us in the verses before us in Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15. But we can find throughout Scripture who this is. The person on the throne, his name, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 22, we read, But the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? The Son. All judgment of unsaved people will be upon the Son. 
who these people have rejected. So the judge on the throne, the Lord Jesus, is the very one that these unsafe people have said no to, have disobeyed the gospel. It will be frightening to be there as one of them. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 42, it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, speaking of the person of the Lord Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.1 reads, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So he is the judge, the Lord Jesus. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. His nature. Secondly, we see his nature. This is not the lowly Nazarene that was not recognized by the majority of people in his day. He's not the carpenter's son as at this time. Well, he still is, but in, this, in what he is doing, no. This is not the poor, humble carpenter. This is the resurrected conqueror. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. As I said, the creator of the universe. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Well, let's turn to that and see, because this refers to this judgment way back there in Daniel, but not the completed as John has at Revelation. Daniel chapter, chapter 7, <clears throat> verses 9 and 10. Where we read this. And I beheld till the thrones were placed, set, and the Ancient of Days did sit. The Ancient of Days, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the, a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered unto him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him and judgment was set and the books were opened wow how'd you like to be at that judgment as one that is being judged awesome look, look just read that and it's a, a terrifying time for and prospect for those that are going to be there this is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His presence is so terrible that in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, back there in our text, the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. The earth and heaven fled away from the presence of him. The rocks trembled, we know, when he was on Mount Sinai uh, giving the law to Moses. If you turn back to Second Peter chapter 3, and verses 10 and 12, speaking of the judgment to come, it speaks of the day of the Lord which will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are in it shall be burned up. And down in verse 12, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of God in which the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. This is in the presence of the one that is on the throne in the presence of the judge. The earth and heaven flee before him at that time of this great and terrible judgment, this awesome judgment. Now we still 
live in the day of grace. Aren't you glad? You were born in a day of grace. <laughs> Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day when we can repent of our sins and be saved. Today is the day of salvation as it declares in scripture. Today is a day of mercy where the God of heaven has his arms open and saying, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden. There will be none of these things on that day. There is no time to change your mind. The king has come, the judgment set, the throne is there, he's on the throne, and we will see people beckon to the judgment. Only judgment swift and sure and true and pure will be issuing from this great white throne. And so we've seen the picture of the throne, we've seen the person on the throne, and now the perception of this throne. The Bible tells us here that was found no place for the heavens, as we've just mentioned, and the earth, to hide from the gaze of the one who is judging on the throne. It needs to be remembered that this righteous judge sees, he knows all, everything, there is no sin that is not hidden from his gaze. There is no thought concealed from his intense gaze. There is no pretending. There's no pretense on this judgment day. But only a sure recounting of every single deed and every single thought that is sinful. In Luke 8:17 it reads for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest neither anything hidden that shall not be known and come abroad it all comes out on this judgment in Ecclesiastes 12:14 it reads for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil so the good deeds that these people have done will be brought out but also the evil deeds and the evil thoughts will be brought out as the scriptures say. Some think that, well, I'm getting away with it now and it's all continuing as it was. In fact, in Psalm 73, the first few, first set of verses before the ones we read speak of that. <laughs> you know, they, get, they do their thing, they live their life as they please and they think, well, there's no God in heaven, no one's looking at me, I can do what I want, do what I please. No, no. God knows everything about us, unsaved and saved. He knows us inside out. In Psalm 33, verses 13 to 15, it says, The Lord looketh down from sorry, the Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. He knows. He considers all these things. In Psalm chapter 44 and verse 21, we read there, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. You know, Christians, wake up. He knows the secrets of our hearts too. He knows the reason we do the things that we do or don't do the things we should do Um. You know, he knows all these things. He's omniscient. Many scriptures speak of this. Hebrews 4.13 say, Neither, or says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 
We may have got away with it. People at the, at the courts of our countries may, may have got away with sinning and got, a, got away with murder, but not on this judgment. Everything will be brought to justice and everyone will be brought to justice. Everything will be brought to light. No hiding from God. All things are naked and open to his eyes. In Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. And in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not for the good that the person does. So you'll not hide from this righteous judge. He will know all there is to know and you will stand before him if you're unsaved. Now I assume this morning that most of the people here are saved people. And that's assuming. It'd be good to assume all of you were. You know in your heart whether you're saved. And, And this passage ought to really speak to your heart if you're not saved and not sure you're saved. Because God knows you can't hide from him. So we see the judge there, the sovereign on the throne, the summons to the throne in verse 12, the start of it and the start of verse 13 is the next, the summons to the throne. The defendants appearing at the throne, here we're told that the dead stand and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And this, I think, is saying to us, that not a single born-again believer will be at this judgment. You know, we, we hear the saying, everyone wants his day in court. I don't, but <laughs> everyone's going to have his day in court, and most unsaved people don't realise the day in court, even if they don't face it down here, will be in eternity before the Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they say that <clears throat> they'll be able to tell their side of the story especially people that have been done injustice in our court systems down here. I want my day in court. I want someone to listen to the truth of the, of the matter and the facts and to, and to hear that I was right. Well, here's their day. This is the last event before eternity rolls on forever and ever and ever. Hell and heaven moving forward for eternity. The Bible tells us that they who have trusted the Lord as Saviour have passed from what? Death to life. We're not going to be there. This is for the spiritually dead. They have died physically and they are about to die spiritually for eternity. We've passed from death to life, John 5.24. We've got abundant life through Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven through the shed blood of Christ. This can only mean one thing, that the mass of humanity will be made up completely of this group that is brought here, this dead, these that are called dead, small and great, stand before God, are made up of a majority of humanity because the scriptures tell us in Matthew, broad is a road that leads to destruction and many there be that go on that road in that way, Matthew 7, 13. We who are saved have been quickened. Ephesians 2.1 He hath quickened those who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you're not going to be here if you're spiritually alive. I saw the dead spiritually. They've died, well, physically as well. Small and great stand before God. The king will be there. 
the pauper will be there. Can you imagine some of the leaders of the world standing before God? Hey, no fake news in heaven. <laughs> no fake judgments either. You know who I'm referring to. <laughs> Mr. Putin, you're going to be there. You'll be there and face the judge. You're not the all authority in this world. And any king, any general, any foot soldier, any master or slave, borrower or lender, huh, the banks and the crooks in there, the ones that have done the wrong thing by you and others, will be there standing before God. No one will escape. No one will hide. They'll face the righteous judgment and the judge of the day. Whether they be preachers, because it says angels of light in pulpits in the New Testament, deacons, church members, popes, priests, nuns. I can hear the chorus of objections when they stand before God, but Lord, Lord, we have done this. We have done that. We have cast out demons. And notice Jesus didn't deny what they'd done, but he said, I don't know you. He denied that he knew them. Drunks, whores, drug addicts, pimps, pushers, grandmothers, grandfathers, teenagers, mums and dads stand together with Cain and Judas and Hitler and every other person who chose wickedness over righteousness, who chose eternal hell and destruction over heaven, will be there. Before the throne to face their judgment, there will be no escape and no exceptions. The barrister, the attorney, the high court judges, the solicitors, all those who some solicitor got off the hook for their sin down here will be there. And so we see the defendants appearing at the throne. In verse 13, at the first part of that, and the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. Everybody is gathered. People mock at the thought that this can happen. Hey, we're talking about God. And let God be God. He's either who he declares to be or he's not. And he knows everything and he can do anything except sin, of course. So every person without Christ will be at this judgment day. Verse 13 declares that. It reminds us that all who died, regardless of where they died, in the sea, in earth, in space, the way thing, they're shooting them up there now in the rockets, wherever they die, they will be gathered together for this judgment. These are the defendants appearing at the throne. John chapter 5, verse 28 reads, Marvel at, marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Here they are resurrected unto the resurrection of damnation or in the resurrection of damnation and are judged. A horrible assembly stands here. They're forced to look at the one, you know. <laughs> I hear parents say to the little children, when the children are being misbehaving now, look at me. I want you to look at me and pay attention. And in this judgment, that'll be, look at me. Don't try to hide. Don't look away. Attend to what I'm saying on this judgment. You know, the Lord doesn't want to send anyone, as we've mentioned earlier, to hell. They choose to go there. You, you, you can't say, God sends them there when other scriptures say he doesn't want them to go there. Predestination to hell. I have a real problem with that. 
It's just not right. How could God judge an, a person who he has assigned to hell from birth? We have a choice. And God will judge us for the choices we make. That's what this is about. Second, thirdly, we see the scripts and the stats that are used at the throne. The documents that are used at the throne will be books that will be opened. In verse 12, and the books were opened and, the, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. So the books, only one book is named. It's the book of life, as in that verse. And uh, we don't know all the other books that God might have there, but we can think through and read other scriptures concerning the books. The Bible, I, will, I believe, will be there. Jesus himself reminded us that we would be judged from his word. John 12:48 reads, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Have you believed the book? Hmm. Have you believed the Bible? Have you believed what it says about your sinfulness and that you're born a sinner and that you need salvation? You're in Adam. You're dead in Adam. And now you need to be made alive in Christ to have eternal life and to abide in his presence and not to go to this terrible and horrible judgment. And so the Bible is there, the documents, the, the scripts that are given or brought here. The book of deeds is also spoken of here. In heaven, everything is being recorded. You know, in times past, people might thought, that's impossible. But what are they doing today? What is man doing today? They're recording everything. We do. All the transactions. They know what veggies I eat. They know what cereal I eat. If they want to, they just get to the cart and go through and they can find out everything. And they can do with the press of the button too. All this privacy business that bugs me sometimes when you try to do something and your wife's not there, but your wife's a signer on this. Well, we trust each other, but they don't trust us to trust each other. So you've got to have both of them here. Privacy. <clears throat> but here, everything is recorded. It's not in the cloud. What do they call it? The clouds and the computer cloud. Yeah, okay. It is true. Where they store all this massive amount of information. It's not there. It's in God's book of what works. God's book records all these things. Every deed. Are you one of those sort of bean counters? You know what I mean? An accountant? Sorry. <laughs> where you, you love the books and love adding it all up and love making it balance at the end of the day or week or month or year. You know, did, you know where you get that from? We're made in the image of God. <laughs> so let's not call them bean counters anymore. <laughs> let's call them people that are diligent about keeping records. And I think they're making people do that at work more and more in our country, aren't they? <laughs> what did you do last three minutes? What did you do the last five minutes? Were you productive? So forth and so on. Well, God keeps books. Every deed, good and evil, will be mentioned. Every sin will be read aloud in front of everybody. Sins of commission that you committed and you knew you were sinning. Sins of omission that you didn't know you were sinning. Flagrant sins, secret sins, sins of the heart, sins of the mind, sins of the motives. All will be brought out in this day. Verse 12 makes it clear that the lost will be judged according to their works in the last part of that verse. And so this is the, the book 
the Bible, the book of deeds, and there's the book of life that is also brought here by which these, this judgment takes place. The book of life in the middle of verse 12. I'm of the opinion <clears throat> that there is a book of life in which everybody's name is recorded that has ever lived. And there's probably some other Gavin Jacobs, I don't know of them. There might not be, but there might be. And every, you know, you go down the roll book and there's, there's probably a lot of Smiths. John Smith, John Smith, John Smith, John Smith 1, John Smith 2, born in. So, but God has got a book of life where everybody's name has been recorded. But when you die, if you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, your name is blotted out of the book of life. That's what I believe happens. But if in this life you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your name is left in the book of life, but it's also put into another book, which is the what? Lamb's book of life. And let's turn over to Revelation 21 and verse 27. 21, 27, where we read this. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that that is into New, New Jerusalem, anything that defileth, neither he that worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they who are in the Lamb's book of life. So in the final analysis, when the books are opened, God can, God can turn the book around if he wishes, I don't know if he will, and say, here's where your name was, blank, blotted out, you know, black ink, gone. And here's the book, the Lamb's book of life. Is your name there? No. These two books will match when eternity rolls on. The same names will be in them. Those that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who are saved from their sins. Um, Revelation 3, 5. Revelation 7, 18, uh, 17, 8. This is where these books are mentioned. It's in the Old Testament. Moses pleaded for the people and he said this. Forgive them. And let me be blotted out of the book which thou hast written. And the Lord's reply was, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. You know, so these books are spoken of. We could probably spend another sermon on the books, but we won't. <laughs> this is the book of life. Hey, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? It is in the book of life as long as you live in and as no one died on us this morning. You're in the book still. But if you died here today and you are not in the Lamb's book of life, your name would be blotted out of the book of life and it wouldn't be put into the Lamb's book of life. And I urge you to flee from the wrath to come, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Imagine the horror of standing there on the day this hearing takes place with all your sins recounted from the book of works. Imagine being forced to admit your sins and the fact that you were a sinner. Imagine Jesus opening the book of life and showing you where your name was removed. Then imagine him opening the Lamb's book of life and showing every slot that your name could have been and it's not there in alphabetical order. Not necessarily alphabetical, but God knows. Is this fantasy? Is this me just making something up? It's Bible. It's reality. It is a time of such horror that nothing in life, nothing we can imagine, nothing we could conjure up, nothing that a movie person could put together will come close to the reality of this happening in a person's life. 
So the documents used, those four things, the Bible, the Book of Deeds, the Book of Life, and the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the decision made at the throne. Decision made at the throne. The script and the stats that are recorded here are brought forth. The decision made in verse 13, back in chapter 20. And the sea gave up the dead that were in the earth, and hell delivered up the dead that were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. <clears throat> it will be absolute, as we've said, accurate. You will be standing all alone. You, people think, well, you know, there's millions, there's billions of people that are going to be present here. It'll take an eternity to stand everyone there and go through their life in all the works that they've done every day. It's just, you know, time-boggling, huh, you could say. You see, we think in human terms. One day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. You can reduce it or, you know, you can enlarge it or reduce it. And that's what it'll be like on that judgment day. You know when, and it's been said, when people have an accident, it's like time stands still and they remember everything that goes on. And just like in their mind, it's, it's, and it takes a long time, but it's in an instant, and it's in, within seconds that it happens. In eternity... This will seem like an eternity when this judgment happens and you're unsaved and standing before Almighty God and he starts going through you know, and all the things you've done and everybody's he hearing that and others in the crowd, yeah, I knew he did it. <laughs> no, I don't think they'll be doing that. Uh, other unsaved people, yeah, that wasn't what I thought. That was really the case. Yeah, this is what it's going to be like. All alone, by yourself, before Almighty God. And it won't make any difference who hurt you, who stood in your way, what hypocrite you looked at who called themselves a Christian. That, that, no excuses. There's no excuses. You yourself will stand before Almighty God, all alone, bringing out the truth. Oh, it's better to flee today while it's still the day of salvation to the Lord Jesus. The sentence given from the throne in verse 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. As a fearful judgment. The sentence rendered from this bench is death. Not just physical death. This is second death it talks about. Which is separation from God for eternity. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 reads, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, just like the portion in Daniel that we read in Psalms, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. The gospel must be obeyed. This, this is what people don't get. Yes, we believe the gospel. We have to obey it. And the gospel will have an effect in your life. There will be a change in your life. Not mere profession of the Lord, but a possession of God so that it changes the way you think, the way you behave, the things you go, the places you, do, you go to, the things you do. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. I had someone at the door not so long ago ask me, they've not come back since, they were visiting for some time. 
They said, what about hell? What about Gehenna and, and Hades and all the words that are used? And they'd been listening to Jehovah's Witnesses. See, Jehovah's Witnesses believe in annihilation. They believe in soul sleep between now and the judgment and then annihilation at this time. The Bible says it's eternal. And there's no soul sleep after death either because the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke, is it chapter 16, where the rich man and Lazarus, a man and with a name, they were in, one in heaven, one in hell. And they talked about the torments. Even though they hadn't a new body, a resurrected body, they had some form that they put your finger, cool my tongue, I am tormented in this flame. It wasn't annihilation. It wasn't soul sleep. It was living being in eternity. Well, beginning of eternity for them until this judgment. You know, that rich man will be at this judgment like every unsaved person. Death doesn't do away with life. It's only the beginning of eternity. Birth is the start of life. No, conception is the start of life. And right through to eternity, for all eternity. Don't try to, or don't let anyone try to convince you that God says annihilation and that's the end of it. I heard a preacher, one of these teller tele fellows, I shouldn't watch him, you just get angry, <laughs> saying that that's the end and it's all finished with and God wouldn't do that. God is a God of love. He wouldn't do that. Yes, he is a God of love, but he is a God of justice and righteousness and he executes these things perfectly. <laughs> And all in balance so that those people who've rejected the loving invitation to come to the Lord Jesus and have their sins forgiven will be judged for eternity for not obeying the gospel of the Lord Jesus. It's a, it's a fearful judgment. It's death. It's eternal death. It doesn't involve dying physically. This is dying spiritually for eternity. And there's no end to the torment. The wages of sin is death. Eternal death. Imagine the horror of hearing the Lord Jesus say, the omnipotent of the universe say these words that condemn you to eternal torment. Imagine hearing him say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25 and verse 41, for it's recorded in his word. Imagine living your life the way you wanted, without regard or respect for God at all, and then having to hear those words, depart from me. The only hope of eternity, the only hope after death, is God, the Lord Jesus, the person who gave himself for our sins. Awful words, but true words. Words that will become reality for so many people on that day. <clears throat> nothing could be so terrible, nothing could be so frightening. I never knew you. There will be Agrippa. There will be Felix. There will be the rich young ruler. Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian and forever that man will remember those words. Forever unsaved people who are at this judgment, who heard the message by some form or means, radio, television, web page, internet, individual, parents, will hear those, hear those words echoing where they constant, consciously made a choice not to believe. Perhaps the only thing that equals that would be a religious person standing before this judgment. For there will be religious people standing there. In Matthew 7, 21, we read, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
but he that doeth the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess, I never knew you. A religious person. The Bible in the New Testament talks about people in pulpits that are as were angels of light, messengers of Satan. Religious people all round our world today, starting with Australia or is it a bit further out where the time starts and Sunday starts and they're out there in their robes and in, with their incense and with all the pretense of religions, the trappings of religions, they will be there unless they repent and acknowledge the Lord Jesus. Even one prominent Australian who has, does a lot of good works for a lot of people, and he's a representative around Australia, and I could say he's a, relative, he's, he's a brother to a, a former treasurer we had in Australia. He said, I don't need some man dying for my sins. In other words, I'm not a sinner. That's what he said. Maybe he will find out and hear the message of the gospel before it's eternally too late. Maybe his brother will talk to him. A former treasurer and say, no, it's not like that. Because that former treasurer used to run the, um, <clears throat> the Christian meetings in the university just down the road from Caterpillar. <laughs> I don't know where it is. I can't remember. The university there is at Monash. And he, and he used to run them. And, and my brother was way up in the things fixing electrical stuff. And he could hear the preaching down there. And he said, yeah, that's right. That's right. What he's saying to those young people is right. Maybe he could talk to his brother and say, listen, you need to repent. You need to be saved. You need to stop trusting your good works because good works can't get you there. It's, yes, a fearful judgment. It's a final judgment. There'll be no appeals. All judgments rendered at this bench will be final and no arguments. It'll be binding for eternity. This will be the last day any of these sinners ever see. This will be the end of the road for them, consigned to the lake of fire that burns forever and ever, the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast alive into the lake of fire, was cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> Many don't believe this is true. They deny the reality of it. And the claim they claim that such a notion is old-fashioned. Well, it's old-fashioned and it's right. <laughs> and it's real. It's real as real. In Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. You think of the nations today that have forgotten God. Russia. Russia's had an opportunity. The grace of God gave them some years, what, 10, 15 years, where, the, where it was opened up after Gorbachev. You think of China. Any Christian will be persecuted and thrown in the clink and jail and tormented. Think of North Korea, so different to South Korea, where the gospel has been given and the liberty, known as the liberty of Christianity between those two countries, South and North Korea. Uh, any nation that forgets God will be cast into hell, the peoples individually. Fearful judgment, a final judgment, and last of all, but it's not, I'm not making light of this, a foolish judgment. It's a foolish only in the sense that it didn't have to happen. If you've been warned that the bridge is out and you're on the road, stop. 
And folks, if you're unsaved and you're traveling down the road of life, the bridge is out ahead as hell, eternal destruction. Stop. Listen. Turn onto the straight and narrow road that leads unto life eternal. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way. Religious person listening to this today, it's not working that gets you there. It's believing. Stop trying and start trusting the Lord Jesus for your salvation. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But God commendeth his love toward us in Romans 5, 8, that while, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 John three sixteen by this perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for our brethren. Ah. Uh, Christians, this is a point for you in concluding here. You won't be at this judgment. You'll be at the beam of judgment. But are you laying your life down for other people? There's a story I didn't share. I think last week in the sermon there was two goats met on a narrow bridge and there's no way of passing. And one goat, I don't know if it's a true story. It might have been Aesop's fables or something. But One goat, goat lay down and let the other goat walk over him and then they both walked to their destination. We're to lay down our lives for brethren. And that might, mean, that might mean that Christians will walk over you. But did they not do that to our Saviour? He let them crucify him, the Son of God. Christians, what are we doing to warn unsaved people? Flee from the wrath to come. John 4, 9 and 10, and we conclude with this. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ah, come to the Lord today. Hell is no joke. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Don't, don't be at this judgment. Ask someone today if you need to know how to be saved and to enter into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus, not to the judgment, the great white throne. Heavenly Father, thank you for the pre-warning of what comes after death, physical death, this physical, the spiritual death, eternal death. I pray that no one here would suffer the second death, but all would come to the Lord Jesus and know what it is to be forgiven of sin, to be free and set free from the bondage and chains of Satan. Bless us now as we close and bless those that are listening in this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.